Hi, Liz. Hi, Will. Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Smug Buds. We're on our our parallel mailbag track for today, right? So this is not episode whatever. It's episode two of the mailbag series. This is uh, the Smug Buds, and it is a podcast. However, this is not an episode of that podcast. This is Mm -hmm. a special because it's a mailbag special, and it's the second one we've done, and it's for looking back at season two. This is the palate cleanser. We're between seasons, mm-hmm. post season two recap. Also looking forward, this is as a special, also an amuse bouche for season <laughs> three to come in a month and a half to two months from now. Yeah, we have a lot of stuff lined up. First, we have we don't have our full our full lineup ready for season three, but we have a real solid feeling of what it's going to look like. We're pretty close, and what we're envisioning is. If season one was, and indeed I believe it was, ten episodes long. Yes. Five Liz episodes and five Will episodes. And then in season two, you got a little extra treat. You got 11 (laughs) episodes, four Uh Liz episodes, four Will episodes, two joint episodes, and one guest-centric episode. Mm Mm-hmm. Season three, we're currently envisioning this is subject to change, but 11 episodes, five Liz, five Will, and one joint, probably. Yes. Yeah, no guests as of yet, unless we can... Although, there may be a guest in a, what I will call a non-guest-centric episode. It's true. We're working real hard. I've sent out One of yours or one of mine. Yes. Plus a guest. Yes. I've sent out an invitation. A new format. I've invited this person into my home. Mm-hmm. I've invited this person's legal spouse into my home. <laughs> I've promised them fall activities if they actually come. Yes. Tis the season for We're fall activities. Mm-hmm. It's mid-September. It's Friday the 13th as With we're recording this. With a full moon, this. baby. Yes. Ye gods, as I saw on Twitter. Uh huh. And <coughs> it's uh, it, the highs this week are in the 90s in Arizona, uh, rather oh. than in the hundreds, uh, like they have been prior to this week. So, How, do you want to hear about the fucked up Gaithersburg weather we've been dealing with? I want to hear about nothing else. Okay. It's Friday. Mm-hmm. Wednesday. 90 something. Mm-hmm. Thursday, 92. Uh huh. Today, mm. 71. Wow. And cloudy. 20 degree dip. 21 degree dip. To be precise. Um, and it was jarring. It was not good. And then tomorrow mm-hmm. it's supposed to be 85 again. And sunny. And sunny. There you go. Um, so we had soup for dinner tonight, which I was I was very grateful for. That's nice. What kind uh, of soup? Well, funny story, Will. Oh gosh. <laughs> no, never it was a short to be... answer. <laughs> this is why you started a podcast with me. Uh-huh. Um it was supposed to be tortellini soup, which is my favorite soup to make. 
you basically um, puree a can of whole tomatoes with garlic and salt and um, olive oil. Mm-hmm. And then put in cooked tortellini. And it's like eating tortellini with sauce, but instead of sauce, it's soup. Yep. Um, but someone who went grocery shopping, who will not be named, but does use he pronouns, and also lives in this house, and is Rudy. not a baby. Rudy. Did not, and is and can buy things with his hands, hmm. did not actually buy frozen tortellini. So instead, we had the soup, and we had grilled cheese. Also very good. So is that why you just called it soup? Because it was tortellini soup without the tortellini? Yes. So it's just soup. It's just soup. Simply soup. Simply soup. The most simple form of soup. Well, I mean, I guess you could argue with somebody about that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Hot water. Is hot water a broth? Is a hot dog a sandwich? (laughs) Um, Do you want to get into some of our comments? Yes, please hit me with some comments. The, in the in the mailbag special, we open up the Smugbuds mailbag, the TSB mailbag, and we look at your feedback and we respond to it with our own feedback. We so have I... a few listeners who are <laughs> friends and family members of ours, and we thank you for listening and for writing to us. Yes. What have they written to us, Liz? So, um, the first one is our devotee of the pod, Sarah. Uh-huh. Did the full multimedia experience for the, the playlist episode. As I intended. And, um, she said that she liked the reasoning for all of the songs. She really liked the zombie song. And, uh, she said, and I liked the last song, despite apparently in the past not liking that band. Mm-hmm. Different album, different era in their uh, music making, so could make a difference. She then says, I was listening with headphones uh, in while Park was sleeping, and the mailbag, her partner, and the mailbag song, the mailbag song made me squint and my mouth tightened as though I were eating something sour. I have also only found Mitski through YouTube recommendation, the recommendations. Those are all my thoughts. Mm hmm. And good thoughts they are. So Do you remember to re- what song she's talking about? Yes. To recap, the mailbag song was Gridlock by Werewolf Disk Drive. Yes. Uh, the the last uh, song but was by Don't Stop or We'll Die. That's the band that was previously uh, disliked in my car. And uh, the zombie song was uh, by <coughs> Zombies Organize. Yes. So now I have another um, note from that playlist episode mm-hmm. from Randy Robertson, our professor and dear friend. And yours, I hope. And he sent us uh, <laughs> the playlist from Def- the skepticism class that you mentioned. Definitely. And I'll silent. post this full playlist in the um, show notes. But it goes like this. Um, so it's from, he says it's from May 9th, 2010. So that's when he made this. Yep. Um, he said, I'd make a few different choices now, but on the whole, whole, the list holds up pretty well. One, uh, a Thomas Paine like take on, uh, he, oh, he has his description of each one. So he says a Thomas Paine like take on the God of the Bible, the thermals, here's the future. Um, the second song on the list is Republicanism was invariably linked to re- linked to religious heterodoxy. Godwin, Payne, Wollstonecraft, and the Shelley's were all Republicans. 
Sleigh bells, crown on the ground. Do you remember sleigh bells? Yeah, I remember sleigh bells. Yeah, exactly. Kicked ass. Three is, I can imagine the DJ at the Hot Wax, uh, Rushdie Satanic Verses playing the following song, which is Phantogram Running from the Cops. Four is, uh, he says, the Nationals' critique of America nicely parallels Rushdie on post-colonial Britain, the National Fake Empire. You know, we're all fans of the National. Mm-hmm. Five, on the relationship between Saladin and Pamela in the Satanic Verses. He, again, has another National song, Terrible Love, uh, which he says, from High Violet. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> then he has a third national song, which is my maybe my favorite song by the national. Uh, he says, this song reminds me in a general way of the satanic verses. You've got Hollywood, Evil, Dark Dreams, and the Undead. Um, that's the national conversation 16. Of course. Uh, number seven is Eugene Hutz, the uh, lead singer of Gogol Bordello. I can never say Gogol. Gogol Bordello. Uh, is part Rochester, part neuroscientist, and that song that he has there for it is called The Super Theory of uh, Super Everything. Um, eight, the eighth song on the list, is a song about wanting to believe, and it's White Shadows by Coldplay, a band that we've been critical of in the past. Number nine is a song about wanting to believe what one cannot believe, and that is Fantagram, Mouthful of Diamonds. Ten, Hallelujah, Jeff Buckley's version, the superior version. Uh, 11 on the accident of birth we were promised jetpacks keeping warm and then a humus creed beach humanist creed he says beach house take care so that's the list of uh songs from randy robertson and a, and a fine list it is so we'll post those on the show notes um i might even make them into a spotify playlist or something that we can um have good idea and i think that's all we had from the mixtape episode Cool. Or the playlist episode, as we then called it. Mm-hmm. Making a mix. I have a couple of other small things, and then I have two bigger things. Okay. Um, the one of the bigger things is Pokemon Go. Mm-hmm. And one of the other bigger things is a brand new adjacent situation that I discovered because of the brand new episode. Interesting. So one of the smaller things is um, an anonymous listener... Has mm-hmm. a note for us. And this anonymous listener was um, speaking about mobile games and Pokemon Go, but they specifically were talking about the wizard- Wizarding World of Harry Potter game, which is not the Harry Potter game put out by Niantic. Right. Who puts out Pokemon Go. This is the, like, story-based one. Mm-hmm. And they said that this is, like, an exemplar of the bad microtransaction trend you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um this person also don't like does not like this game but still plays it every day. Cool. Um and they said uh I do not pay the microtransactions but there are ads you can watch often to get things that you want fairly often. And so mm-hmm. yeah, this even there's like I think very I think there's many different versions of this and I think that if you like the property of something enough, mm-hmm. you'll still sort of like keep investing in it even when even when you don't like it. Yeah, I don't think that I uh I don't think that I'm that invested in any particular property any longer. Do you feel you that way? You're invested in Pokémon? Not to the extent that I will buy you know Magic Carp Jump or any other you know just any any 
mobile game that shows up in the app store. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not that dedicated. But I think that if there's, like, enough of a premise. I mean, even just, like, you know, my favorite video game series is um, the Zelda series. Yeah. And um, Nintendo Online just put out the SNES like mm-hmm. pack of games and i yeah. started playing link to the past again which is like a real game a real game i yes. am not trying to compare this to it in the, that sense sure but it is a game that i have repeatedly failed at uh-huh. and yet i am so dedicated to the series that i'm like maybe this is the time i will do well at this game and not immediately get stuck in the first dungeon yeah well i say the first dungeon Truly, the game starts by putting you into a dungeon, but mm-hmm. um, because you have to immediately get Zelda in Hyrule Castle, but not including that dungeon. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, maybe not everything, but I think that um, I think it's worth noting that there are like, you know, there's way that pe- ways that you can get hooked, and if there's like enough of a premise and enough of something that you're already interested in, that's a way to get you hooked. Okay. Do you have anything you want to talk about? Well, since we're in the boat of Pokemon Go, mm-hmm. I just have a few notes, and these are not uh, items from the mailbag as much as they are just uh, little dangling threads. You know, I edit the podcast after we've recorded it, and that usually means listening to it um, and uh, sometimes multiple times. And mm-hmm. so I have opportunities to be reminded of things that did not come up in our conversation that I thought that I was going to mention in our conversations. Oh, yeah, totally. So, for example, in our discussion of Pokemon, I asked you what your least favorite Pokemon was. And then that uh, question never came back around to me. Oh, yeah. And so I wanted to take this opportunity to say that I hate Bidoof. Oh, yeah. Bidoof is weird as shit. <laughs> Bidoof is the worst Pokemon, in my opinion. <laughs> um, it, I, I think it is a Generation 4, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was uh, first appeared in Diamond and Pearl. And it was basically the equivalent of like a Rattata in those games. It's like one of the first things that you encounter and you will see a lot of them. Yes. And Pidgey and Rattata are good in that role. Partly because, you know, they're, well, they're sort of mean looking. Yeah. And that like makes them interesting and you know, introduces you to the world of like, oh, there's like a little bit of danger to like encountering these wild Pokemon. Mm -hmm. And Bidoof just has that like really empty, like thousand yard stare that looks like there's no like life behind its eyes, like a, like a slow poke or something like that. Yeah. And, uh, and you will have to encounter it a lot. And I think that it is an embarrassment to 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 the name of Pokemon. Do you remember when Twitch played Pokemon? Sure. That's I think that's how I first heard of Twitch. Um yeah, I think it was how I first heard of Twitch too. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that one of and maybe I'm remembering this wrong. Okay, so do you want to explain what Twitch plays Pokemon was? Basically 
Twitch is a live streaming site, right? And it's mostly people streaming, you know, broadcasting themselves playing video games. And in the case of Twitch Plays Pokemon, um, you know, every Twitch broadcast has like a chat window that anyone watching can use and type in messages and everyone will see them if they're looking at the chat. And in the case of Twitch Plays Pokemon, everyone in the chat controlled the game. Like there was Mm -hmm. no independent player operating this game of Pokemon Red or Blue or whichever version it was. It was uh, the game was programmed to respond to the input of the chat and everything that was input in the chat that was a command to be understood by the game. So, you know, basically each of the buttons on the controller, you know, up, down, left, right, A, B, etc. And, uh, you know, it was sort of an ex- a social experiment to see, like, can can a game be beaten in this like crowdsourced way and all sorts of like memes came out of it and it had like its own like mythology that you know people were you know putting interpretations onto like the nonsense that was taking place so i thought i'm realizing now maybe something what i'm remembering is actually something from game grumps Hi, Aaron and Danny. I know Mm. you're listening. Um, But because I think that they caught a Bidoof at one point. But um, and I think that might have actually been the first time. But yeah, I thought I I remember watching um, Twitch plays Pokemon. And there was one. There was one Pokemon that they got at one point that I thought was a Bidoof, but I can find no evidence of this now. That was their strongest Pokemon for a long time. And at some point, like, sort of far into the game, they let it go. Mm. And people were like, but maybe it wasn't a Bidoof, but people were, like, devastated that Mm. this not good Pokemon, like, it wasn't a Rattata, but it was on the level of, like, Bidoof Rattata. Maybe it was, like, a Zigazoon? Um had been, like, let go because it was, like, their only hope. Ah. Um, yeah, that sounds kind of familiar, but I don't know the details personally. Yeah, and I, um, the reason I remember it being a the reason I remember thinking that it was a Bidoof, or at least thinking of it as a Bidoof, was because mm. it was, like, a Pokemon you would otherwise, to your point of hating it, never actually want to be on your team long right. term. Yeah. <laughs> a real acquired taste. Yeah. Of a species. Um, before we get real deep into mm. Pokemon. Okay. Because uh, we have a very long comment from Boots. Um, two other small things. Uh, Sarah, devotee of the podcast, uh, messaged and said, I say Calibri. Put that in the podcast. Mm-hmm. So here we are. What did we say? How do you say it? I say Calibri. Calibri. She says Calibri. Uh-huh. Um, and I well, have looked this up. Yeah. Um, some grammar notes also. Uh, James. Uh, Wait, you, friend, you said you said you looked it up. Which which one is correct? My way. Yeah. Okay. I've had to look. I looked this up because at work they were like, 
are you sure that's how you say it? And I was like, actually, I'm not. I'll look it up. And I just happened to be right. Sure. That uh, This is not a case of me being smug. Okay. Uh, so for the grammar episode, uh, James, um, who also appeared in our last uh, mailbag, says, update, loved every minute. The end dash should be abolished because not only are hyphens used in its place with zero confusion, but also knowing how the end dash works is now so rarefied as to make it functionally obsolete. Something else that should be abolished. Use a comma whenever there's a pause. It's an excuse for teachers not to know the true potential and versatility of a comma, and it leads to lots more confusion than it helps. So Mm I 100% disagree with the end dash thing. Okay. Do you like, do you not like end dashes? I could I I can get on board with what he's saying. I'm just I'm just eternally frustrated that the keys on the keyboard don't have keys for mm-hmm. the n dash and the m dash. Yeah, totally. If they did, I would say like, sure, we should keep them around, and they're easy to use and easy to understand. Yeah, but like being that you have to like work to use them when you're typing, there's a barrier of entry. Yeah, just just yeah. Hyphens, why not? Um, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I mean, I, I like them and I think that they're useful, but, um. That, that, that I think would not make a difference to anyone but the keenest eye for punctuation and that sort of thing. I like an M dash aesthetically, specifically because I like it being the sort of, bold line the difference between to be clear with what i'm saying that yeah. i do i do think the difference between a hyphen and an m as in man dash yes is, is huge yes but the difference between an n as in nancy dash and an m dash or a hyphen uh-huh. is minuscule yeah that's how i see it and i admittedly didn't know what n dashes were until somewhat recently um that said, um, I agree. I one hundred percent agree with the use a comma when there's a pause. Like nobody should mm-hmm. ever say that. Yeah, like it doesn't even work as like a. Well, this is a good rule of thumb, and you'll learn some nuance later on. Yeah, it's not helpful. It's not helpful. Um. So thanks, James. I absolutely agree with you on yes. that. Thank you. Also, I can't remember what episode this is from. Oh, I think this is also from the... I take this back. This is from the grammar episode, too. Okay. And uh, very public toilets on Instagram. Did, I think I, I also... I think we pulled the same comment. So do you want to read this one or do you want me to? Uh, I'll read this one. Okay. Uh, I'm honored to get this comment on Instagram from very public toilets, which I think... Uh, I'm not on Instagram, but I'm pretty sure is the best, most popular account on Instagram. Yeah, it's number one. So Very Public Toilets writes, you guys should do a Smug Buds discussion on other podcasts. You make passing references to podcasts that you like, and I always want to hear more about them. Also, what could be more smug than a podcast critique of other podcasts? Uh, That was not what I was going to read, but we can talk about that too. Okay, maybe that wasn't... I'm... I might have gone back further. For some reason, (laughs) 
Yeah, no, you're right. I was conflating two comments from the same source. Okay. I think I went back further in the well to, I think, a season one episode. I don't remember which one, but I think mm-hmm. that was an Instagram comment on a season one episode. I think it was, yes. Um, w- w- uh, Go ahead and read the grammar uh, comment, and then I want to return to the one that I read. This is the best episode yet. Mm-hmm. I love hearing Smug Will's vigilante origin story. Vigilante. It was so it was so surprising and endearing to hear him tell it. Why is Smug Will usually so mysterious on this podcast? Mm-hmm. Is that like a deliberate contrast to Smug Liz? Yeah. <laughs> who's literally speaking about her vagina? Uh he, uh they did not say that. Yeah. Like Smug Will is out there out here telling everyone telling every story without names or even gendered pronouns and smug liz <laughs> is straight ripping into the personal explicit and the vulnerable not that either approach is bad mind yous and the smug buds uh responded as me and said or by but it was me said hello thank you for tuning in this week to answer your question it's because smug will is smarter than smug liz also because smug liz is an open book or perhaps an open wound Regardless, someday someone will get mad at Smug Liz, and she will cry a lot. Thank you for being a fan of the Smug Buds. Thank you, indeed. And yeah, uh, I'm, I'm. I try to be pretty careful because I've gotten in trouble a number of times before for having a big mouth, mm-hmm. and I don't mean on the podcast, and I don't mean in a podcast-like context. I just mean in general. And so, uh, yeah, I try to be pretty cagey about uh, the the when there when there are personal details to uh, the matters that I'm talking about. And uh, and you have stories to tell, and you tell them just the same as if we were talking without microphones. Now that said, and then we can again get back to this podcast thing because I have a follow up to this. Okay. That I had forgotten about until just now, but it fits perfectly. There was okay. one time that I talked about somebody on the podcast in the grammar episode. Uh, and I was specifically speaking of this person without gendered pronouns and without using their name. Yeah. And this person was listening. Right. And recognized themselves. Yes. So I said that I f- would not use this person's name. Still. Thank you for saying themselves, by the way. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, but I will read what they messaged me. Are you ready? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, Liz. I'm behind on the smug buds, and I'm slowly catching up and was really enjoying the grammar episode. I seriously laughed aloud when you said, a little white rabbit. When you got to the part about M-dashes, I was thinking about how I've really come around on them. <laughs> Mm-hmm. How I used to prefer M dashes back in college because they were more aesthetically pleasing, but now I'm M dashes all the way. I even found old notes from our poetry professor regarding my incorrect usage, lol, which I was like, oh, thank God, somebody was actually saying something. Was I the unnamed person that you were referring <laughs> to in that episode? And I was like, hmm. And like, I did like a side eye emoji, and I was like, yes, glad you've come around. And they said, I have. Uh, I said, good gumshoeing. And they said, I know. I admitted it to our professor. And our professor was like, yeah, you always use them wrong. Uh, but then they were like, haha, but I also got the sense that you were annoyed at me. 
I was like, yeah, I was. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, you'd ask me for feedback on things and then you wouldn't take it. Like, I'd say, hey, these end dashes are wrong. And you'd be like, oh, but I just like them better. So, uh, yes. they how, did not remember this at all. How, how dare anyone solicit feedback and then not alter their work to your exact specifications? <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't just this. There were other things that I will not talk about further it wasn't like oh the one time this happened it was like any time i gave this person feedback at that time in our lives it was like not only disregarded but like explicitly rejected to my face if that makes sense sure um to the point that i was like why are you asking for my feedback you don't seem to actually like any of the feedback i give you it can be useful to get feedback that you don't agree with yeah but 100 percent of the time just to get, you know, a different perspective, just to know, like, how is a Liz type going to read my work? Uh, I will, I will say that, I will say that, conceptually, I agree with you. Uh-huh. In this particular circumstance, I was annoyed. <laughs> have we, have, have I talked on this podcast about the four agreements? I can't remember if that's come yes, up. Yes, don't take it personally. That's right. Don't take it personally. But it wasn't that I was taking a person. Okay, th- this is why it was annoying. <laughs> and I think that this is legitimate. All right. Because I was doing work outside of my normal work. And it felt like that work was not actually useful to the other person. So it felt like I was just doing a lot of work for no reason. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, if you want my opinion on something... And you care to know what I think, then it seems like at some point you would take my criticism or my edits, like my legitimate edits. <laughs> like you need to put LYs on adverbs when you use them in your official, like, not it, creative it, bio. Not, not creative bio. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like very- a. The, 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 I, I haven't thought much about this, but I, maybe I've been sort of dancing around it in my mind. There, there's this very interesting dichotomy in your, your, your professional life as an editor, which I feel like is what is coming forward the most in our conversations. Yeah. And you're also public, but not professional, but also professional, but not job, job. Yes. life as a poet mm-hmm. it's like it it's it's a little bit funny to me <laughs> to hear a poet's advice that is so staunchly like rejecting like creative choices like like a creative choice of like how to you know bend the rules and just like oh i picked this because i think it looks nice or like you know well i think you have like we have to throw back to ruby core here right because sure. it has to do with genre. So like Jean. if I'm look if I'm looking <laughs> is that your like French way of saying it? That's how Alex Trebek says it on Jeopardy. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's real good. Check, oh, that guy's check a my dick. Check my Twitter to I just retweeted something just today. <laughs> it's a it's a supercut of, of Alex Trebek saying Jean. That's incredible. That's gonna um, need to be in the show notes now. But yeah, like in, in like 
poetry, like, you can do a bunch of shit that doesn't make any goddamn sense otherwise. Like, if you're looking anywhere else. Yeah, but... If, but... but, for example, if I'm editing something for work, if I'm editing for something for work, I'm not going to use the Oxford comma because it's not in the style guide. Yes, but... Like, was... it has to do with the conventions of the genre. Yes, <laughs> but was our friend ever asking you for feedback on... Something that was for work and had a style guide. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes, in the sense that it was like, um, like the one thing that I just mentioned was like a bio. So it was for like what context for a literary magazine, exactly. <laughs> but you have to. Here's but here's my point: when you're looking at a bio in a literary magazine, you're looking at something. It's very short. The one, uh, clearly this bothered me because I remember it's been like a decade. The one time that they didn't use the L-Y on an adverb, my point to them was, no one will know that you intended to do this because you do not have the amount of time to prove that you're doing consistently and that it's a creative choice. It just looks wrong because bios are not a creative place. Oh my God. I disagree completely. Everybody, 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 every writer, every I'm being published. You know, it's not the Paris Review. It's not the New Yorker. It's, you know, your online journals, your small indie whatevers. Everybody uses their bio as self-expression. I recently had my bio style guided to Chicago and the way that my um, degrees were formatted were changed. For a literary magazine? For Always Crashing, yes. And I said, okay, you use Chicago or whatever it is, that's fine. Okay, well, that's one journal's standard. And also, for the record, I worked because the journal that, that this person had gotten published in I then ended up being poetry editor for it because it was my my MFA's journal. And I know how we formatted the bios. Which was a standard way. Some journals have standards for bios. Yes. I also edit a literary journal. Yes. <laughs> I will publish a bio that is five words long i'll publish one that is a hundred words long uh-huh i won't edit it down i won't tell you what's supposed to go in it i won't tell you that you should use an adverb here instead of an adjective because you're a creative writer and i trust that you understand the choices that you're making with your words this person Made a Did choice. Not, yeah, a bad choice. No, no. I I, rem- I don't remember it word for word. <laughs> but you said what the example was. And I was like, yeah, I immediately see how that's intentional and sounds better. Oh, it sounded bad. Okay, no. let's... let's. <laughs> it was like, what was it? It was like Seeks Curious or something like that. Peers Precarious. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that, that 100% makes sense. It makes no sense. No, no, no. That's good. <laughs> okay, well, anonymous person who we just to, talked a lot about. To peer pro- Will likes your shit. To peer precarious is the same as to wax poetic. 
it's not grammatically incorrect to say she waxed poetic. That's, I feel like I need to look up information to respond to you. That's like a turn of phrase. Yes, I know to wax poetic is a turn of phrase, but I'm not sure that I'm curious about its roots and where it's coming it's from. A familiar and how it's actually one. being used. And anyone reading it reading Piers Precarious would understand that it is in that like formula. It could modify this precarious could modify the subject. It just yeah. happens to be in an, an unusual place in the sentence. Well, then that's worse. No, it's not. It's creative. <laughs> <laughs> it's creative okay. and interesting. Okay, so Will and I have clearly come to a standstill on this particular issue. Sure. A standstill. <laughs> no, not not a desperate escape. <laughs> no, not a desperate escape. I just don't want to say the same thing over and over again. Okay. Um, I do have, and I do have one other grammar response. This is from Boots. We're going to hear a lot from Boots. Boots is a friend, uh, from undergrad who, um. Your friend. Yes. I said a friend, not our friend. Yeah, that's, that's, that's why I, <laughs> that's why I, I made the distinction. And do you know I wasn't why his... correcting you. I, I was elaborating. Do you know why his name is Boots? No, because I don't know him that well. Okay, I hardly so, know him at all. So in the fraternity that Kenny was in and uh-huh. that my brother was in and that many of our friends were in and, and that, that my future, grandfather was in. And that a future guest is in and that I was not in because I was not in any fraternity. Yes, and I would have been in this fraternity if I was somebody with a penis. A side male at birth. Somebody who identified as uh, a man. Hmm. Um, Kenny just made it sound like, hmm, like maybe we wouldn't have invited you, but <laughs> let's be realistic here. I lived uh, in that house junior year. It was the only uh, fraternity on campus to uh, recruit me or hint at recruiting me mm-hmm. to to gauge my interest. Yes. I said, no, thank you. Yes, which is fair. I mean, it's the only one. I had a real sweet soft spot because... Of um, my grandfather being in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was truly the best fraternity on campus. Um, they had a higher uh, GPA standard than any of the other fraternities. And they didn't... <laughs> w- true. I mean, truly. like okay. So our, our future guests yeah. class had an average GPA of a 399. Yeah, also my class. No, 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 no. Not at the university. You mean the the in the fraternity? The class of new members, yeah. The class of 2012 in that fraternity. No, 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 because each class could come, could pull people from whatever year. Wait, what? Okay, so. Where does one the, class begin and the next? When do? Where does one class end and the next begin? It begins when you they send out bids. And it ends after they do their initiation ceremony. I should have known that the answer was just going to be jargon to me. Okay, okay. So basically, like, you get invited to join the fraternity. Sure. There's a period of time in which you are a new member. They did not call them pledges because that's hazing and they didn't haze. Uh Uh-huh. And when they were a new member, they had various, um, like, classes that they did where basically they just were learning, like, about the history and stuff like that. Yeah. 
And then there was a final day where they gave a gift to their upper person, their mentor in the fraternity. Okay. Um, They were full members the entire time. It was just, that was the time period. And that group of people that was recruited at the same time was a class. Okay. And okay, so, now I understand what you mean. They, they came in together. Yes. They might have been freshmen, sophomores, etc., but they came in Even together. seniors, yeah. Yeah. And so um, his class had an average GPA of a 399. Okay. That's not, uh, that's not better than my GPA. Okay, yeah. Yours is an individual, mm-hmm. but, like, that's what I'm saying. I'm though, just saying that, like, I'm not impressed. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, let me just take this moment to pause and say... That you had a 4.0? No, that's not true, actually. I think I had... I think I had a 3.987, if I'm being mm-hmm. precise and honest. I think I had a 3.87. Okay. Um, and so I was saying context is important, and I want... I'm, the reason I'm saying that is to defend myself a little bit because I must I must seem very salty, and <laughs> and you anyone listening to this might think like, wow, Will Will's in such a bad mood, he's letting it affect him, and he's being very aggressive, <laughs> and that's fair enough. But to be fair to me, let me just say, it's Friday the thirteenth. <laughs> There's a full moon. It's 7 p.m. where I am in the country. Uh-huh. And, and uh-huh. also, it is a bad time to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, of course, I live very comfortably. And I, I you know, I, as much as possible, maybe even more is necessary. But I, I try to acknowledge my privilege a lot. Uh, when I'm talking on this podcast because it's a uh-huh. public forum. Mm-hmm. And yes, uh, acknowledging my privilege and how comfortably I live. it It's just hard to be alive and aware of what's going on <laughs> in the world. Uh-huh. So I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, t- I, I'm talking to you. So I might, <laughs> I might be taking it out on you. <laughs> But but like the like one of the four agreements says, please don't take it personally. Okay. Because it's just it's just the floodgates opening. I guess my my point with Phi Mu Delta is that I, for the most part, hate Greek organizations. I think that they are sexist on the binary, here, here. Um, which. They are for the most part. Even Find Me Delta falls into this, though they have always been way more open and welcoming. They said when we were in undergrad, like, oh yeah, if there was somebody trans, we'd let them in. Like that, that's not a thing we'd even question. Um, uh, they, you know, in general, I hate those org, and I don't use the word hate lightly. I think those organizations are incredibly harmful. Yep. Um, this particular one, was the best version of this that I have ever seen. Sure. That which does not mean that it was perfect or even necessarily good. like something that should continue forever A because force again for I <laughs> I think it has this like real fatal flaw which is that I think that it it functions on this binary that I don't agree with. Sure. Um but one of the things that they did in this fraternity uh is everybody got a nickname. Fun. And some of these, some of these nicknames stuck, and some of them didn't. So Kenny's was Poseidon. 
<sighs> in one meeting, somebody said, why was your name Poseidon? And Kenny at this point has a beard down to his belly button and long hair down to his waist. And he says, because I love the sea. Sure. Boots was Boots's nickname. Uh, Boots's real name is Josh. And the reason Boots got the nickname Boots was because he was always wearing either work boots, snow boots, hiking boots, or cowboy boots. Very good. And he still does. Like, I don't think I've ever seen the man in sneakers. That is a variety of boots. Um, But that said, this has come up. I So because of this reasoning, I've always thought of this nickname as being, like, pretty masculine. Okay. And on yeah. two separate occasions, somebody, a woman, has said to me, I'm sorry, are you talking about a cat? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not a nickname that I would want to be saddled with. <laughs> um So Boots wrote us a comment. It's better it's better than Geronimo. <laughs> yes, it is better than Geronimo. What I know, a terrible nickname. Yes, I know someone who's official. I assume it's written down in a ledger because yes. I assume that that's how things operate at, in a fraternity. I think in his own blood. So, so, so or semen, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> we'll never know. Those are the secrets of the shadowy organization, the cross and the skull and bones of Susquehanna University. Uh uh, somebody, somebody I know his official nickname was uh, Geronimo. Yeah. Which, I mean, I, I don't know my history of this, but that's there's something racist about that, right? Probably, yeah. I'm cool. not sure we knew that in college, but. <laughs> oh, yes. Who could know? <laughs> well, and also, again, like, like, nobody ever called Kenny Poseidon. Yeah, no one ever called Geronimo Geronimo. Yeah. But I bet you it's written down somewhere <laughs> that this that this white ginger's <laughs> like brotherhood name is Geronimo. Well, I mean now it's written down here, I guess. Written down quote unquote. I'm coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is what Boots says. The, the mailbag episodes, I'm sorry, specials are the podcast in which I come for people. <laughs> Last time it was James. <laughs> Hi, James. We love you, James. This time it's Find Me Delta. So this is the this is what he wrote. The that farther, further, father joke in the tweet was top notch. The difference yeah. between farther, further got put to bed for me a while ago. In the physical sciences, you re- he's a scientist. You readily encounter people who make the distinction. Between that which you can measure and that which you cannot. Mm-hmm. Physical versus metaphorical distance. But it took that little light bulb moment of having that spelled out for me to get it to stick. I shared an office with a man from South Korea in grad school. English was a second language for him. It really opened my eyes to how tough the English language can be because he routinely asked me to clarify what this or that phrase or word meant. And the three-part heart of archness stretch of Archer made me way more aware of idioms. Looking forward to listening. You you really had me. You you had like that's a long comment. I so appreciate it. You really had me on the hook. And then right at the end, you had to mention a three part episode of Archer. I still can't believe you don't like Archer. Archer's all the shit you like. Uh yeah. Well, let's yeah. Uh, 
I, w- I wish it were Frisky Dingo. That's that's basically the e- the beginning and the end of my opinion about Archer. What's a Frisky Dingo? Frisky Dingo looks a lot like Archer. It was created by the same guy. Mm-hmm. It ran for only two seasons on Adult Swim. And so, yeah, when Archer came around, it's like, oh, it this it's the same guy. It looks just like Frisky Dingo. And it's got uh-huh. John Benjamin at the head of it. And I yeah. tried it and it's like, Oh, this is uh, not that funny. Oh, I thought it was so funny. And it had, uh, I loved that it had Kitty in it. Who uh, You're talking about it in the past tense. I think it's still going. It's like season 10. Oh, it is? I thought that yeah. they were, I thought that they were doing their last season and I thought that it was over now, but maybe I'm wrong. I remember if at it, one point, I remember at one point they were like, this is going to be. The last season, and I was like, okay, and I don't think I had watched it yet, because I'm, of course, not watching it as it airs, but... Um, if if it is over now, I believe that that is a recent development. Okay. And I believe that there have been at least 10 seasons, which to me is an insult in a world where there are only two seasons of Frisky Dingo. <laughs> Of course, I haven't watched it in a while. And yeah, probably if I went back and watched Frisky Dingo now, I would probably be appalled (laughs) by how problematic some parts of it are. Yeah. But when I was, I don't know, maybe 15 or 16 watching it, I really enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, you're right. The last season just finished airing on July 31st of this year. So that must, that information that I had previously must have changed. Um, at some point and I, I don't keep up with it that much. It's just when it shows up and there's new parts of it on the internet. I watch it. Yeah. And I watch it. I've given it multiple chances. I really wanted to like it. Just never got into it. Okay. So I now have a very long thing to say about brand new and a very long thing to say about Pokemon Go. Mm -hmm. Um, do you have other things you'd like to say? I want to, I have a little thing that I could skip. I want to have a brief discussion of podcasts. Oh, yes. Sorry. We got so sidetracked from that and it was fully my fault. So I That's apologize. okay. That's totally okay. I brought it up at a very inopportune moment. So it's <laughs> both our faults. Yeah. And, uh, and I want to briefly or not so briefly talk about my vision for the macro structure of um, season three. Uh, in okay. the context of the of the broader podcast, so, um, so do the small thing that you were going to skip. So this is again not feedback, but it's along the lines of the Bidoof thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I really missed an opportunity uh, last season because I devoted an episode to Edgar Wright, and I devoted an episode to Phase Two of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I never talked about this story that I heard online about the moment where there was an important conversation between Edgar Wright and James Gunn, who Mm -hmm. directed Guardians of the Galaxy and Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And the story goes, Baby Driver came out the same summer as Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Okay, yeah. And and, And having seen Guardians 1, everybody knows that, like, popular songs are going to be a huge integral part of that movie. Yes. Likewise, Edgar Wright had made it clear that 
scoring the movie to popular songs was going to be like the thing of Baby Driver. Mm -hmm. So it occurred to one of them. I think it was Edgar Wright who reached out. I think if I remember the story correctly, it was Edgar Wright who saw Guardians 2 coming. Mm -hmm. And Guardians 2, I think, was going to come out first and thought, oh, no. (laughs) What if the same song is in both of our movies? Oh, wow. So Edgar Wright called up James Gunn Uh and said, I want to make sure that we don't have a conflict here. Yeah. And then without getting into specifically what the songs were, Mm-hmm. The two directors went back and forth asking each other, okay, are there any songs by Queen in your movie? No? Oh, okay. okay, good. Okay, So are then there they any just songs? like, they didn't go more specific unless. Exactly, yes. And they discovered and they made sure that there was in fact no crossover wow. between, between the two uh, very pop music centric uh, uh, big movies. Yeah. I think that that's, that's a, just a fun little neat story. I like that story, and I feel like that story is honestly really kind. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I like the idea of them. I mean, we don't know if there were any... Cr- I mean, do you, I'm assuming you don't know if there was any crossover. No. But, uh, you know, and so we don't know how that would have played out if mm-hmm. there was or, or if there had been and there actually wasn't. But I love the idea that they were like, hey... Um, I don't want to step on your feet. You don't want to step on mine. And I think that it's fair that we talk about this so that at least at the very least, there's no surprises. Yeah, it's nice. It's a it's a neat, neat little moment of of collaboration Mm -hmm. or or cooperation or both. So what pod do you want to do you want to list some podcasts? Well, not really. I just I (laughs) I I've been listening to one particular podcast so much recently and I got to thinking about why, and I a, a, a sort of take kind of crystallized in my mind. Mm-hmm. And we've talked before about the difference between the podcasts that you listen to the most and the ones that I listen to the most. Yes. And you mostly listen to podcasts to like learn. You like mm-hmm. learn a lot of things from listening to podcasts. I and, and I mostly want to be entertained and I mostly mm-hmm. listen to comedy podcasts. And some of the comedy podcasts that you listen to, I will listen to in certain circumstances specifically to fall asleep. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, and why not? Yeah. Here's the take that sort of crystallized in my mind. It's that if you're going to listen to a podcast, you have a choice. You can listen to – you You can either listen to a podcast where you will be entertained – Mm-hmm. Or you can listen to a podcast where the people talking know what they are talking about. That's been my experience with different kinds of podcasts. Mm-hmm. There are podcasts that I like to listen to because they're entertaining, mm-hmm. but frequently there will be times when the hosts are talking about something that they don't know about and it can be frustrating for me. Mm-hmm. Or. I can listen to a podcast where people know what they're talking about. I might learn something, but I do not find them entertaining. But what about us? Well, we are the exception. No, actually, the, the, <laughs> the reason the reason I'm talking about this is because there is an exception 
to the rule that I want to talk about. Uh-huh. Um, the Smug Buds is a good podcast. <laughs> Full stop. Yeah. Um, but just so like to so like podca- comedy podcasts that I listen to are like um, uh, uh, Who Charted and Freedom. And sometimes mm-hmm. comedy, bang bang, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of Earwolf podcasts, Hollywood Handbook is one of my favorites. Yeah. And to give an example of moments when I get frustrated, like for a very broad general example, mm-hmm. if any of these people start to talk about video games, mm-hmm. I uh, will get very angry mm-hmm. because they generally talk about them in a way that seems rather ill informed and like, why are you even talking about this? Though I will say I was very pleasantly surprised to learn that Paul F. Tompkins seems to know and play a lot of video games. Yeah, sure. That's that's a little known fact. And it's a it's a, a, a good, you know, truth to uh, hold on to. It's it's somewhat comforting. To give you a more specific example of what I mean, there have been several times when I'm listening to an entertaining podcast and the hosts will watch a uh, video on YouTube mm-hmm. and whatever account they're using, they don't have YouTube premium. <laughs> so actually I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm going about this the wrong way. What I meant to say was they're not just watching any video. They're watching a movie trailer. Mm-hmm. And when the movie trailer starts, it starts with very quick image, 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 done, done, done. And then the yeah. title of the movie. And sometimes it'll say like full trailer or something like that and then the trailer starts yes uh huh. and every time this happens the person on the podcast will go like why did they do why did they start doing that that's so stupid why is there like a little five second like you know trailer of the trailer why can't it just start with the trailer why do that yeah. five seconds i mean the answer is social media but yeah continue <laughs> well that's the thing is that like yeah. as many times as i have heard this on a podcast i have never heard a single person go like well, this trailer is also being used as an ad that plays before other videos on yeah. YouTube. And when you get uh-huh. an ad on YouTube, usually you can skip it after five seconds. Mm-hmm. So the trailer, which is an ad, has something that you will grab you and say what it is in five seconds. Mm-hmm. So that even if you click skip ad, you will see that five seconds. Yeah. So, what do you do if you want to listen to an entertaining podcast where people know what they're talking about? And you've already listened to all of the Smug Buds. Exactly. The podcast that I have been enjoying uh, in bulk for several months now is uh, called Blank Check with Griffin and David. Oh, yes. Uh Uh-huh. Now, you got to like movies and you got to care about movies and you got to want to listen to some people talk a lot about movies in order to find it as entertaining as I do. But basically blank check is a podcast about filmographies of directors who have massive success early on in their career. And then Hollywood gives them a series of blank checks to make whatever passion projects they want. And sometimes those checks clear and sometimes they bounce baby. (laughs) 
right now they're in the middle of a so the the podcast is formatted into mini series. So when mm-hmm. they pick a director, they will do an episode of the podcast per movie in that director's filmography. So each director is a mini series, and right now they're in the middle of a mini series on the films of Hayao Miyazaki. Right. Which yes. is like best case scenario for me. Yes. There I don't think that there's another blank check director that they could pick that I would be more invested in hearing hearing the episodes. So if you like Studio Ghibli, a good jumping on point for you for for listening to this podcast, which I uh very thoroughly enjoy. And and I'm putting out my recommendation out there into the world, despite my hesitance to recommend anything, especially a podcast, because podcasts are generally just like people being themselves and just like putting themselves out there. And so like if you find out that one of those people is like a jerk or evil Mm -hmm. in some way, then it's like, oh, you're going to regret giving that recommendation even more than like recommending like a movie or something. Yeah. But uh, regardless, uh, for the time, you know, date stamping this September 13th, Friday the 13th, 2019, about 7.30 p.m. Arizona time. Uh, I'm a fan of Blank Check with Griffin and David. <laughs> if we find out anything about Griffin or David after that point in time that I've just articulated, I can't be held accountable. <laughs> I think that's fair. I mean, we always have to adjust based on the information we have. That's right. Okay, um, so that's my thing on podcasts. Okay. Did you have another thing? Oh, uh, the, the macro the art. structure. But we'll we'll do that later. Save that for the end. So do you want to talk about Pokemon first or do you want to talk about Brand New Adjacent first? Um, let's do Brand New Adjacent. So I um, we got a lot of really good feedback to the Brand New episode. Um, not really any, like, thing worth reading for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, with this one exception. So, I mean, a lot of people um, commented and said, like, uh, like, like messaged me directly and was like, thank you for this podcast. I really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people were like dying at my brand new Taking Back Sunday comparisons. Mm-hmm. Um, thought that they were just like so funny. Um, I did talk to our, our friend, uh, Sam Martone about it a little bit. Um, he pretty much, uh, agreed with my take. He's one of the few people that like love Daisy. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talked about that a little bit and he was like, um, he was saying that he also, um, hasn't like listened to, um, uh, like he hadn't really listened to any brand new since it happened. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he just was in general skeeved out by the whole situation. Uh, he ended our conversation by saying, um, uh, and he also said that it was such a comfort to just even be able to talk about it because he hadn't even talked about this music in so long. Mm-hmm. He ended by saying, I don't know, my whole opinion on all of this in general is that I don't think it's a b- big deal if people still enjoy things. Like, I really don't want to begrudge anyone who still wants to watch Annie Hall all the time. But, like, if you're defending Woody Allen on Twitter, fuck out of here. That's really funny that that's, I mean, of that's... A, it's not surprising that he would use that example for his comparison. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's funny that that came up in this context. Yeah. One of the things. So I was just saying, like, 
what if something happens with the hosts of blank check? Yeah. One of one of the things that you can say about one of the hosts of blank check, one of them is a film critic. The other one is an actor and comedian. Mm-hmm. The actor has appeared in a Woody Allen movie. Oh, uh, that's funny. And uh, a fairly recent one. Um, he did, however, uh, publicly say that he thinks Woody Allen is guilty and that he donated his salary to some some nonprofit uh, having to do with domestic abuse or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And um, on the other hand, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, uh, uh, Scarlett Johansson has publicly sided with Woody Allen. She just gets worse and worse. Black Widow herself. Less and less hot. Coming next spring and summer to theaters. Black Widow starring someone in Woody Allen's corner. (laughs) (laughs) So the other thing that came up, and this is the sort of adjacent thing, um, is this band called Pine Grove. Okay. Did I tell you about this? I can't remember if Uh, I told you about it off mic. Doesn't sound familiar. So literally, like, the same week as the brand new thing, um, this band called Pine Grove had a similar thing happen. Mm. Um, if it wasn't the same week, it was that month. Okay. Um, and Pine Grove was this um, indie band, like, this indie sort of, like, folk rock, like... Like, all of their music sounds like it was recorded in a garage, but, like, not in a bad way. Okay. Um, band. They're, they're like, this dude's, like, my age. Like, like we, like, he graduated from college in 2011, my age. That um, is your age. Well, I, I just mean, like, my, I say this specifically because it wasn't just that, like, oh, he was generally my age. Like, he would, he is, like, directly my peer. Specifically, yes. And, um... What had happened was, so he, there had been something weird that had happened. He had posted something on Facebook saying these, like, weird things about um, how he had made decisions and he regretted them and he was sorry. And, like, he had, like, there was, like, really weird phrasing that he used about how he had, like, uh, influenced someone into making a decision with his power or something. And a year later, this um, article came out on Pitchfork, which we'll post, called Reckoning with Pine Grove. And it sort of went through what happened and how it happened. And what had happened was there was one woman who felt like um, the lead singer of Pine Grove had abused his power to put her in a position that she felt was, like, not exactly what she would have wanted from, like, a romantic encounter. Mm. Um, but this was, like, very vague, and um, she was not... She didn't want it to blow up. She didn't want people to know who she was, and people still don't know who she is. Um, but she... There was this, like, counseling agency, this, like, um, like punk rock counseling agency... That handled this whole thing terribly, like, approached the lead singer, was like, you know, we have multiple women that are accusing you of rape, um, and, like, blew it up to be this whole thing. 
And what ended up happening was he received this information. Oh, and also this is a band that particularly people really loved because they had been doing a lot of advocacy work. Like they Mm. would have concerts and like donate all the money to like causes. Like they were really trying to be like um, pillars of a community, not just like a band. And it also didn't seem like they were just trying to be like woke. Like they really seemed like they were um, aware of invested in what was going on around them. And also, because I've listened to their music since then, they um, they have songs that feel very much like, they make me feel the same way that a lot of that, like, mid-aughts, like, punk rock makes me feel. Mm-hmm. But maybe, like, a little bit older. And, um, or maybe it would be better to say makes me feel like the bands I saw when I was going to shows really frequently made me feel. Okay. And so... Um, he received this information, did this weird Facebook post, which was like a misstep uh, for sure, Hmm. for sure. Because people were like, people were like, literally, what are you saying? Mm -hmm. But then, um, it was revealed over time that this counseling agency, this woman who had said that she was like a therapist, uh, was not actually a therapist. She was not licensed. And the Hmm. multiple women that she had, um, that were accusing him of rape was this one woman who had this one very specific complaint that was not that he had raped her, but was that he felt, she felt that he was misusing his power in a way that um, he needed to be aware of. And then another woman who had never, like they had had a totally consensual encounter and felt fine about it. Um, And this counselor woman had at one point, this woman who had this consensual encounter said to the counselor woman, are you talking about me? Because my encounter with him was fine. There was nothing wrong with that. Hmm. Um, and so the, they got a, once this was all figured out, the sort of like muddled, whatever they got a mediator and the woman who again, didn't want to be named, didn't want it to blow up. Like was not trying to like cancel culture. This band said, this is what I would like you to do. Um, I would like you to take a year off from touring. I would like you to go to therapy and I would like to work through this mediator to like resolve the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did that. They took a year off of touring. They didn't, you know, they didn't, you know, post things or, or anything like that. They didn't release any new music for a year. Um, he did see a real actual real therapist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, And, uh, at the end they came to a conclusion and she was like, I feel good about this. I feel like this issue has been resolved and, um, I have no problem with you continuing your life as somebody in a band. And they released their album, their second album, and, um, they're touring again. Okay. And the reason I think that this is so interesting and the reason that Jess, who sent it to me, um, said was uh, interesting was she was like, it was weirdly addressed initially, but I think it was eventually well handled. Um, when I first listened to them, um, my boyfriend was like, uh, Hey, uh, just don't Google them. Cause they're in this sort of weird place, but I think this song will mean a lot to you. Um, and so she did. And then, you know, eventually did find out about everything. Um, but I read this article that came out 
and I've listened to them and, um, I really like them and I listen to them now a lot. Hmm. Um, and I think that what part of what I was talking about was how there aren't models for how to deal with these situations. Yeah. Something else I talked about in the Moana episode. Yes. Uh, was, which I think is related to this is that I feel like we can't just always be reacting and that we have to start saying, how can we prevent these things from happening? And I think that this is a situation where this woman, and I mean, granted, she did a lot. I'm not saying she did a lot of emotional labor and stuff like that, but she said, Hey, here's a thing that happened. I don't feel good about it. And I would like you to address it. And this person um, who was the lead singer of this band said, oh, shit, let me address that. Because instead of just being like, I didn't do anything wrong, blah, 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 like, I'm sorry if I offended anybody, which is like not really an apology. Mm -hmm. And so I think that this is one model. I'm not saying it's the model or how everything should be treated. And also, this was not a case as severe as like this person did not say he raped me. She said, I think he was handling his position of power as being somebody in a beloved band incorrectly. So, like, again, it's like, not, these are not blanket generalizations. But I think that this is a way that this could be handled in some situations, especially when we're like very early in, on in a place where somebody is showing signs that they might start behaving like worse and worse and worse because again Mm -hmm. if we look at jesse lacy you know i wonder what would have happened if um jesse lacy had been able to address his own issues with intimacy Hmm. way earlier right right um i think that we wouldn't have had so many more women harmed Mm mm-hmm through his relationships with them. And I think that right. is something we need to start looking at more closely. Yeah, that possibility is interesting. Yeah, I do think that um, if we are going to, I mean, my voice in this conversation is irrelevant, but since we're having a conversation and it's just you and me. I would like you to say something in response to me. <laughs> uh, I think I, I actually, uh, this is something that I, the, the, Moana episode got me thinking about Uh and I'll tell you how I started thinking about it just to recap a little bit of our our Moana conversation and you can correct me if you think I mischaracterize anything yeah but you laid out the reading that uh, Maui uh, assaulted the goddess Mm -hmm. I said that re- are you are you are you still uh comfortable with that reading given that Maui succeeds in the end and he's redeemed and he's a good guy basically mm-hmm. and you made a point about and i actually part of my point was about um the movie expects us to sympathize with him and partly they do that through he explains his reasons for doing what he did mm-hmm. and how he was neglected and how he only wanted people's approval. And you said 
that we need to uh, understand better, you know, people's reasons for hurting other people, committing crimes, et cetera, and, et cetera. And, and how they how they get to that point so right. we can, like, intervene earlier. Yeah. Right. And here's 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 the new part of the conversation that I have reached afterwards that I haven't said, mm-hmm. which is that I think that that is the that is that is a, 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 an, an important and valid end. I think that the means to that end are understanding the systemic reasons. Yes, totally. Why abuse happens, why discrimination happens, why, you know, everything horrible under the sun happens. Mm-hmm. And the my point of view is this, these, the systemic issues are so ingrained and they're so hideous. Mm-hmm. That it's completely understandable why anyone, anyone who does a hideous thing does a hideous thing. And, and the systemic issues are, you know, they, they, they trump the, the personal reasons, the personal circumstances of a, of a person's specific life. Mm. And if anyone's specific life should be studied to understand better, you know, methods for prevention in the future, um, wh- how about my life? How about a life like mine? How about studying someone who by some miracle mm-hmm. lives inside of this system and uh, has no victims to speak of? Yes. Uh-huh. Does, doesn't that seem kind of exceptional? Yeah, I mean, I'm dated. I'm married to an exceptional person. As yeah, well. exactly. Let's let's study Kenny. Uh-huh. Let let's study in order to understand. Yeah, you know, better prevention going forward. Let's understand. Like, okay, well, yes, of course. Like, how do you dismantle the systems that are in place? Mm-hmm. But as long as that's going to take some time, and these systems are going to be still in place in the meantime, while we you know, brick by brick, try to dismantle them. Uh, let's try, let's understand the person who <laughs> somehow treats people well. Yeah. Let's, dis- let's do despite, some, uh... despite living in a system that rewards like cutthroat behavior, basically. Mm-hmm. Sort of like to uh, call back to our Brassica episode. Let's look at how people have selectively bred people that don't, <laughs> <laughs> that have the exception to the the characteristic that's common. That would be interesting, but that is also getting a little more into the personal. Spe- yeah, that's yeah, that's that's right. That's that's. I, I and I think yes. I, I I think what you're saying is totally valid. Um, uh, I also wanted to make a clarif- clarification for the Moena episode, which I felt like I didn't get out of my mouth. Okay. Um, though I was on the edge of saying, which was that. Um, I've said this for other things and I've even sort of said it in this podcast. I don't expect every, I'm pretty forgiving to media because I Mm -hmm. don't expect every piece of media 
to do everything. To include everyone. Yes. To, you know, check every single box. Yes. And um, while I will acknowledge that it's a flaw and say that, um, you know, hy- you know, hypothetically, there are ways that it can be better and we can talk about those ways and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Moana is still, I understand also that there are restrictions of genre. Mm-hmm. And like Moana is in that Disney movie princess genre. Mm-hmm. And so they can only get away with so much mm-hmm. before it, um, Disney, future owner of this podcast, yes, uh, will say it's not in the genre anymore and also yeah. we're not going to pay for it. Uh-huh. And so um, I understand that one of the restrictions of that genre is the fact that Disney is paying for it. Mm-hmm. And so while I will push and ask for it to have better things, I think that they did the best thing that they could have done and the best thing that they had done so far mm-hmm. with the restrictions that they had. And yeah. I, to, to answer your question, I don't think that it feels great to me to just have Maui be like, absolved at the end Uh um but i also understand why it quote unquote has to be that way and Mm -hmm. i think that also it's um not a small part of the movie but um it's secondary it's so secondary and it's also takes up such a little amount of time Mm -hmm. like physically it's like she like gives him a look and gives him a his hook back you know what i mean that's like the whole redemption is like this like whatever dude like let's move on yeah that's true enough um so yeah that that's all i have to say about that and i think that your point is totally legitimate um i and i think that what you're saying is a way to do the thing that i'm saying yeah um and and it and it and it all has to do with um I, i i I, I'm so embarrassed to be talking about serious things um, because uh, if I mean, it it feels like posturing. Oh, uh-huh. and and if I if I say like, hey, I'm one of the good ones or like I'm a nice guy or like then if I put myself out there in that way, like I I can't. I can't call myself an ally as much as I aspire to be one. Like I can't mm-hmm. identify myself that way publicly mm-hmm. because I, I, I think that I would be opening myself up to some potential ridicule, perhaps well-deserved. Mm-hmm. And I know someone and we, we know someone who, who uh, uh, really upended his own life. And it started with, a post on Facebook that said like, Hey, this misogyny stuff, it really has to end. And we, and we men got to band together and like call out other men when we see men behaving badly. Uh-huh. And that, uh, and, and the response to that was several women saying, Hey, here are the ways that you've been horrible to me, a woman. <laughs> and, uh, goodbye that person from yeah. public life as we know it. Uh-huh. Um, so, so cer- certainly, <laughs> certainly I don't want to be next. Yes. Um, but, um, it, 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 what I'm talking about, the, the, the systemic versus the personal and the, and the, the ways that, you know, 
I'm, you know, I'm special and Kenny is special. Um, it, 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 it goes back to my understanding of mental health and mental illness. And this, this is, this is another reason why I'm embarrassed to be talking about this because for me, it all goes back to like, this is such an, I think I've said this before on the podcast. I mm-hmm. took an abnormal psychology class in college <laughs> and it changed right, right, my right. world, man. <laughs> and now I know, and, and it's what, it's like eight to 10 years later and I'm still like repeating <laughs> the same lessons that I learned then. But it really did give me an understanding that I carry around and I, that understanding has just grown and grown the more that I've, lived and the more that I've read and listened and been exposed to things in the world. And that understanding is mental illness is defined as your inability to function within the the norm. That is the system that in our uh, case uh-huh. is capitalism. Yeah. It, it, if, if you, if your failure to generate wealth for people who are wealthier than you is is diagnosable as like a mental disability mm-hmm. and and mental illness is defined as when when your responses don't match the stimuli in the mm-hmm. environment around you when your behavior is coming from within rather than properly reacting to what's coming out you from without, yeah. um, then you must be mentally ill. But really, it's just, it's just the, the mentally ill behavior is behavior that we frown upon because it doesn't function in the, in the capitalism machine. Yeah. And, and in fact, if you did respond sensibly and reasonably mm-hmm. to your environment you you wouldn't go you wouldn't go to work <laughs> you'd sc- you'd scream and cry and 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 just try to find the people who are trying to kill you and try to stop them yeah absolutely that's what you would do that's the yeah. sane thing to do uh-huh so so what so when i'm talking about like prevention and like figuring out the reasons for like, mm-hmm. why did this be- person behave in this way is well, it's like, okay, like look at the system first and be like, what would the system have them do? Would, yeah. the, would the system have them take advantage of a woman and oppress women and abuse mm-hmm. women or, or would it have them be nice and friendly and always good to people? And it's, and it's like, the answer is like, well, it's like as long as you're generating wealth, then like, yeah, you get get away with with you know abusing some women. It's 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 not frowned upon in the way that it should be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or well, to that's... the extent that it should be, or by the uh, number of people that it should be. Yes. I saw a. This is a brief side note, but I saw a, a presentation at work. We had a diversity week. And there was a man from a, a fancy place that did this presentation and, and they had done both simulations and then looked at um, real life work experiences. So the simulation sort of gave like a sort of clean cut, you know, they had an algorithm with a lot of math and they did a thing. 
And that sort of gave you a, a sort of clean cut numbers that you could look at. And mm. then the other thing, and then that was backed up then by these sort of like in-person interviews and studies that they had done on various companies, which is mm. to say that this felt very comprehensive. So mm. what I'm going to tell you, which sounds very simple, um, was backed up by other information. Okay. They had run this algorithm that basically looked like The Sims, um, mm-hmm. but very, but like way simpler. And it had people walking back and forth. And he said, this is a company where your job is to walk back and forth. Uh-huh. And we're only looking at men and women. We're not looking at race. We're not looking at anything else. We're not looking at, uh, you know, people who don't, uh, identify in the binary. Mm-hmm. And there were, you know, the lower level, the next level up, the upper management, and then like the right below the CEO people. And, they found that when you had, you started out equal and you had a bias that after five years, the bottom level was pretty split pretty evenly between men and women. And the mm-hmm. top level was 78% men, mm-hmm. which is about what the ratio is now. Uh-huh. Um, they then found that if you start equal, and um, take away the bias. In mm-hmm. fact, it stays about 50-50. It shifts 48-49 or whatever. Mm-hmm. If they started... So, again, five years to get... To go from parity to where we are now. Five mm-hmm. years. Okay. If they started with where we were now and took away the bias, but did not add an additional bias to compensate, mm-hmm. it took 20 years to reach... Something closer to parity. Mm-hmm. Um, which, yeah, exactly is what you're saying, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, the system rewards what the, who created the system. Right. <laughs> and you have to break the whole system. Yeah. And it's a long brick by brick process of dismantling that will never be completed in our lifetimes, but hopefully, uh, some progress, some, visible, discernible progress will be made. Yes. And affirmative action is legitimate. Okay. So now that I've said that, can I read you this Pokemon thing? (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk about Pokemon. Okay. So Boots is one of my um, most avid Pokemon Go playing friends. Uh He and I have been lucky friends twice. Cool. He's the only person I've been lucky friends with. And in fact, it has I have seen him twice this year and we became lucky friends mere days before seeing each other both times. It's been incredibly lucky. Nice. Um, so I have a lucky Articuno because of him. Wow. And I have a lucky Phoebus because he very drunkenly suggested that we trade Phoebuses to try to get <laughs> more candy from that. Because that's Phoebus. part of the sort of larger mm-hmm. like challenge right now. So this is what he said. I'm finally listening to this, and I just got to the point where you mentioned your current Pokemon total of roughly 400. And then he has a new pair. Oh, 500. Okay. I think, I, think said- I said. I think I said that I have 400. Okay. Um, he said, had a new paragraph and ellipses and said, I have roughly 1100. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a bit of an issue letting go of rares, legendaries, event-specific Pikachu variants, and Community Day-related Chinese evolutions, no matter how often I do not, do not use them. Currently, 1.3 million experience down on my way to the 5 million needed to go from level 39 to level 40. And then he said this. <sighs> this is so long. Hmm. Bless you, Boots. 
I've heard some horror stories about how people use Discord. The worst of it is basically people coordinating to ensure that non-Discord users can't participate in things like raid trains. But fortunately in my area, he lives in, uh, in general Pittsburgh, the Discord community is pretty healthy and friendly. I haven't encountered a whole lot of gym rotation schedule type interactions like at my job, which has been great. A wide variety of players too, gender, age, family, status, and race all pretty varied, though in the Pittsburgh suburbs, race is only going to be so varied. Um, if not for figuring out how to use Discord, I probably would have burned out on the game a while ago. Hmm. It's incredibly frustrating that the best parts of the game are locked out for rural and solo players, which I don't even th- think we talked about rural players. Hmm. Um, though we sort of, I mean, not touched on it, but we sort of, I think, hinted at it with the fact that you were saying that, like, you know, you can't really play outside in the summer in right. Tucson because it's yeah. too hot. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's close. Yeah. Um, while at the very same time, this group play focused game fails to provide any infrastructure for coordinating group play. I usually hear this counter with arguments of safety. Oh, well, it's not safe for people to know where other players are in the game. And that's exactly what they'd be able to do if Niantic built a chat or a location system in the game. And I absolutely understand that to a degree. But damn, then it makes solo play more then make solo play more viable. Why push people to a point where they have to go to third party apps? apps Niantic has no control over to coordinate group play like Discord. Alternately, pushing people to violate the terms of service through use of second third, um, second and third accounts for themselves. The primary thing I'm refer- referring to is raids. Tier 5, 4, and even some tier 3 raids are downright impossible to do by yourself, and building yep. up the maximally effective teams needed to do the few by yourself can be done solo, requires you to have a lot of resources uh, that, guess what, are much easier to get if you've already been doing a lot of two, three, four, five raids, TMs, yeah. rare candies, and certain Pokemon themselves. What I'd like to see, although it'll never happen, is a switch uh, from a countdown to a count up timer in raids, which I think is fascinating. The idea mm. that the maximum time allowed to try to beat a raid boss is lifted to some absurdly, absurdly long time. 30 minutes, maybe. This allows people to try. So he's saying when you're physically like they're battling. So instead of having mm-hmm. like two minutes, you have 30 minutes. This yeah. allows people to try to tackle tier three, four, five raids by themselves if they want and have solo players. Sure, they'll maybe burn through 10, 20, 30, maybe even 40 of their own Pokemon to do it, but they can still do it. To still encourage group play, though, the system I envision would dole out rewards for beating a raid, revives potion candies, in a tiered system of how fast you beat it. So beating it in, say, 90 seconds or less gets you the best number in quality, taking 90 to 180 seconds and the reward counts decreases, take longer still, and basically it goes down to nothing to where you're only getting the Pokemon out of it. Mm-hmm. Um so on and so forth until you get to the point where the longest time practice are, are minimal. With this system, players can beat raids solo, but they won't get the item rewards which they could get for playing in a group which could which could beat the boss faster. Um, yeah, in response Which to I that, think is, like, so fast. I mean, it's so fascinating. I never thought, like, how could we change the mechanics of the game? Right. Yeah. No, I think that that's a really interesting perspective. From my perspective, I am very much a solo player... Which means that I, yeah, understand and uh, have experienced many of the disadvantages that he's articulating uh, this summer. Yeah, I, I've been playing Pokemon Go less and less, but I am still opening it up almost every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been less um, dedicated, and uh, that really that that gap between like solo play and like what you can do if you have a community. 
Yeah. Like my uh, unwillingness to bridge that gap really speaks to my personal preference, like across the board in video games that like, Mm -hmm. I really want something that I can just pick up and play. Like quickly and easily. And there is no like barrier. There's no gap to cross. And, and, and that goes for like a lot of, it's, it's not only like, oh, you, you really need a community to take full advantage of this mobile game. It's also like video games that like might start with like, you know, a lot of story, like a lot of very long cutscene or like a very long tutorial or like, you know, the, uh, the first couple hours are really slow and boring, but then it really gets going. Like, yeah, I, I, you know, being being raised mostly on Mario games and other, you know, Nintendo games, mostly mm-hmm. Game Boy and Nintendo 64. Like, I, I really prefer the experience of just, like, I pick it up, the game starts, I'm playing the game. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it is that way, you know, basically from start to finish. Um, it is, uh, I already said, Friday the 13th in September when we're recording this, we're at a moment where I have just played a game that I really liked that came out this month. And also mm-hmm. between the time when we're recording this and when it is likely to be released, uh-huh. there are like several games that are coming out, like oh. all like right in this really short time window. Oh, right. Cause it's that, like the pre Christmas rush that look really good that I'm really excited about. I'm referring to, for example, uh, the new links awakening, Mm-hmm. And uh, a game called Untitled Goose Game, <laughs> and a game called Sayonara Wild Hearts that are all okay. coming out next week. And by the time this is released, they'll probably already be out. Very excited about those releases. The game that I've already played this month that I really loved was called Creature in the Well. Oh yes, I saw you posting about that. Yes, I played it on Switch, and it, basically what it is is. It's like pinball if mm-hmm. pinball were like an action uh I was about to say platformer but that's not the right word it's not a platformer um if pinball were an action game with like okay. swords where like <laughs> instead of controlling stationary paddles you were like a guy who could run around and you like swing your sword at balls and it like <laughs> hits bumpers and enemies and stuff and um the aesthetically it's gorgeous and uh, it's just really really fun so that's my video game corner great i have um i have one note and then i want to talk about the arch and it's it's a good it's a good segue okay i just did a finger gun at will to point out that i said segue correctly um i did have to think really hard about it (laughs) um which is that uh, we actually have one more mailbag piece. Okay. That I am not going to read because it's for next season. Interesting. Okay. There is somebody, I'm sure you can guess who, who I have may have mentioned one of the future episodes to. And she, it's Sarah, Dave O'Tay of the podcast, <laughs> yeah, said, I figured. here's something that I think Will isn't going to say. So I'm going to say it to you now so you can bring it up. Oh, okay. So we will if, actually... If I were in your position, I would probably withhold it. But go ahead. Oh, I'm not going to say it. Oh. 
I'm just letting you know that we, in fact, have mailbag for season three already. Oh, okay. Oh, so so you're not going to tell me what I'm not going to say. Yes. But then later, will you tell me? Yes. Okay. But we don't have to wait for the next mailbag. No, I will say it in the actual episode. Okay. Will you tell me, is it, would I be right to assume it is one of my episodes? Yes. Okay. Interesting. All right. I'm going to think about that. Also, uh, earlier when you were talking about your brand new adjacent topic, I wanted to take that opportunity to point out that um, on SoundCloud, where our episodes are uploaded, the brand new episode is the most listened to episode of season two of the podcast. Oh, that's cool. Uh, We are also on Apple Podcasts now. I do not have that data, unfortunately. Yes. Uh The least listened to episode of the podcast is the season two premiere, the Marvel Cinematic Universe phase two episode. So, Oh, did the pizza, did the pizza episode get, for a while it was the pizza episode was like by far the lowest. So. It's actually, it's actually a tie. I, I okay. was, I was being a little self-deprecating by not pointing out, <laughs> not pointing out the tie. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, so you can imagine how much I'm looking forward to doing MCU phase three. <laughs> um, and that's also a good segue into talking about what's to come. So, in our first mailbag special, when we were between Mm -hmm. seasons one and two, I made a promise that my episodes in season two of the podcast were going to rhyme with my episodes of season one of the podcast, a la George Lucas writing the Star Wars prequels. Mm -hmm. So, here's my thought on this moment. Mm-hmm. between seasons two and three and and i will frame it in terms of my theory that i've thought of about trilogies or okay. or you could say this is like a pattern that i've noticed in media that comes in three installments mm-hmm. here's the pattern the first is a standalone it is made to stand on its own it does stand on its own and it's good and people yes. like it and people want more yes Number two in the series is made with the possibility of another sequel in mind. Mm -hmm. It is not as complete. It is anticipating the third one in the series. Yeah. And it, it relies too much on what people liked about the first one. Mm -hmm. It, It, and, and in that way, it's usually too similar to the first one and it's not very well liked. Yeah. And then the third one is a reaction to that. Yes. The, the okay. third one is where they go like, okay, we need to make this different and we need to do it differently enough mm-hmm. that it doesn't seem too similar to what we did before. We can't just repeat again what yeah. we did in the second one that was too similar to the first. So to give, so specifically, I'm thinking of, for example, Back to the Future is like this. Mm-hmm. The original Back to the Future is great. In Back to the Future 2, they literally travel back in time to the events of the first movie. Mm-hmm. And in the third movie, it is in the Old West. Mm-hmm. Good, similar, different. Yes. That's my vision for season three, looking back on seasons t- two and one. Uh-huh. My vision is, okay, if if my commitment in season two was to rhyme with season one, Mm-hmm. then my commitment going into season three is to differentiate it 
and try to do some new and maybe a little more experimental stuff. Mm-hmm. I am going to do Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 3. Oh, yeah, baby. But I am planning on doing it differently than we've done uh-huh. Phases 1 and 2. Yes. I am I am not going to talk about another Adult Swim half-hour cartoon program that I love. Mm-hmm. In fact, I plan to devote uh, an episode of the podcast to a television show that I hate mm-hmm. and why I don't like it and why I think it's bad and being negative about it. And I've been that, doing research on that episode. That's new territory for me. Yes. And uh, we'll, and we'll do, and, and, and if it's up to me and uh, my plans go according to plan, then, uh, <laughs> then, then I'll do like a little experimentation in form, kind of similar to what I did with the making a mix episode. Yes. Yes. Do you have anything that you want to say about what's to come? Yeah. I think that um, one of the, I've been trying really hard to get Kenny to be on an episode Mm -hmm. and he keeps saying to me, I just don't think I'm smug about anything. Mm-hmm. I just think that I really like it. Mm-hmm. And I took that to heart. Um, I think I'm going to have, similar to the be about a TV show that you hate, I'm going to have, uh, I think I'm going to be pretty angry in this third season. Yeah. I think I'm going to be smug and a little bit meaner than I have been. That's cool. Yeah. I think that's kind of where I'm going with this as well. Um, not in a way that I think is... Um, in a way that I feel comfortable with. Let me okay. put it that way. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'll betray my any of my former selves. I also am going to do our first request bud episode. Yes. Right. We're taking a request for a topic, or you are. Yes. One that I already felt moderately passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am going to do a very... I'm going to end on my series on a very gushy note. Interesting. Um, so for all of the, I'm looking at my one, two, three. So three of my episodes are going to be particularly, I think, bitter. Mm-hmm. One is going to be, which I will just say this because I've said it before, a close reading of Last Christmas. Uh, the holiday special. Yes, which may have a tie-in to the movie, which I can't handle that it exists. <laughs> I'm very excited about that. <laughs> Um, but, uh, that said, the last episode is... Have you I, I seen mean, the I'm, second trailer? I never, I just remembered I said... No, there's a second trailer. There's a trailer? second trailer for Last Christmas. Let's watch it right after we turn the, the okay, microphones let's off. let's do that. I forgot to tell you about it. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, well, I think we gotta go so I can list, watch this this very important trailer. <laughs> Let me just say one more thing about season three. So, if mm-hmm. season two was allergy season... Mm-hmm. And then retroactively, season one was cold and flu season. Mm-hmm. Season three, I think, is one of two things, but I'm open to hearing other suggestions. Mm-hmm. It's either holiday season mm-hmm. or it's Oscar season, baby. I think it's sad season. <laughs> oh, seasonal affective disorder? And also because you keep saying how it's the full moon. <laughs> seasonal affective disorder season? Yeah. And because, ooh, baby, it's hitting me hard already. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I had a Diet Coke at 3 o'clock this afternoon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, 
what does that have to do with sad? That's because like a pick I was, me up. I was so it like I said, it was cold and cloudy. Yeah. This was also exacerbated by the fact that most of my office was at a committee meeting and then the people that aren't in my group also I think I saw like three I I described it I didn't this week, but I have in the past described this as like I saw three living humans. Mm-hmm. In like all of six hours today yeah. at my office, mm-hmm. which my coworker Laura has said to me, "Why? Well, how many dead ones did you see?" Yeah, very good. <laughs> um, but yeah, and so I was like, "If I don't have a diet coke, I'm uh going to die." Mm-hmm. Um. So, uh, yeah, I I don't think of that as a pick me up, but that makes sense when you put it like that. Yeah. Um, anyway. I so it maybe it's seasonal affective disorder season if it's not holiday season or I said it's Oscar season and it is and in fact we are planning backwards from the Oscars announcements because I, I am going to do a sequel to my Oscars episode in season one and mm-hmm. we are releasing the episode so that the last episode of season three will be right after the nominees are announced so that the finale will be my Oscars 2020 special. And it is all I can think about. (laughs) All I think about is movies. Do you know about TIFF? No. Is that a file format for pictures? It could be, but in this context, (laughs) it is the Toronto International Film Festival. Oh, oh, okay. And it just wrapped up as we're recording this. And that is really, it's the kickoff of Oscar season. And, I, and it's consuming my every thought. Um, I do have one, one, one more note. Yeah. Which is that Kenny said to me after he listened to the Pokemon episode, you guys didn't talk about, um, in Japan, Pokemon Green. Uh-huh. And I said, oh, you should email that to us so that we can talk about it in the mailbag. And he didn't. So we didn't talk about it. Now we can end the episode. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Love you. Love you too. See you next season. See you next season. Will is on Twitter and Letterboxd at Youngest of One, and his website is WilliamHoffacker.com. You can find Liz at Exclamate on Instagram, at Exclamate underscore on Twitter, or on her website, ElizabethDeannaMorrisLakes.com. Our website is SmugBuds.com, and the podcast is at SmugBuds on Twitter and Instagram.